Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we belong to him. We are one with him in spirit for the purpose of living not for ourselves anymore, but to live as his fruitful disciples. Are you living your life in Christ today with the focus of bearing fruit for Jesus? Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 7 and look at this incredible reality of the new life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Saturday morning here in Texas and hopefully all are loving on Jesus and spending time with Jesus, just truly growing to know him, growing to walk with him, growing to make him a, a bigger and bigger priority in your life. It, uh, I mean, this is why we do this, so that you would know Jesus more deeply and more intimately and walk with him more devoutly. I do want to sincerely thank all of you who have been praying for my mother. Um, she has been very sick and in the hospital, and my mother did pass away on May 5th. Um, and uh, the doctor said that she passed away in, in peace. Um, and so uh, thank you all who have known about this and who have earnestly prayed for her. Um, we, uh, May and I, you know, have shared the gospel you know, vehemently, you know, with my parents for, for 25 years in my family and, uh, and just prayed with them and prayed with them and prayed with them um, that, uh, that, that they, would, they would know Jesus. And when I was praying, you know, with my mother over the last you know, days of her life and, uh, you know, I would say, you know, you know, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would save her soul. And she would say, Amen and amen. And so we hope that, uh, you know, that she really did know Jesus. Um, again, this is why we do what we do. You know, it's, this is real. You know, it's obviously been hard on me. My father, um, been a faithful, good, wonderful husband for, for 44 years. Um, and now he's home and pop, I love you. And, uh, I pray that you would, know Jesus pop in a meaningful, in a meaningful and powerful way. I pray that he save your soul pop. So, uh, so thank you again. Um, thank you again for your prayers. And, uh, it's in the hands of Jesus. All right. Today, Lord willing, we're going to do Romans seven verses one through eight. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives, Father. We thank you for your mercy, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this book of Romans, Father. We thank you for this new chapter, chapter 7, Father. We thank you for the, the overwhelming revelation and insights that are in this chapter. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we can never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death 
on our behalf, that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. I do ask for your mercy, Father, over my family, Lord, um, over my father, over myself, my wife, May, Lord, over all those who are going through the grieving process. Father, I ask you to, to draw us one and all unto you, Father. I pray that you would open our hearts, one and all, that we might come to know Jesus if we don't know him, for any that, don't, that do not know him. And Father, for those that do know him, I pray that they would come to know him more deeply. Father, we love you and bless you. I commit my family, my mother's soul, into your hands and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, Romans 7, verses 1 through 8. Verse 1, do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over man only as long as he lives? Verse 2, for example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. Verse four, so my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. All right. So you remember in chapter six, um, in verse one, in verse two, Paul says, you know, remember in verse one, Paul says of chapter six, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Verse two, this is chapter six, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So remember, when, when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, when we genuinely received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our old self was killed. Our old sinful self spiritually was crucified with Christ. Our old man or our old woman died and, and no longer did sin have control over us. Our old self that was cooperating with the sinful nature, that sinful nature was our master. Sin was our master, and we were a slave of sin, as we talked about very clearly all throughout chapter 6. We couldn't help but sin. But now we died to sin. That, that old spiritual self was crucified with Jesus. It was killed with Jesus. We were identified with the death of Christ, and in his resurrection, we were identified with the life of Jesus Christ, and we were given, right, Corinne, new 
spiritual life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We were given a new self. We were given spiritual life, eternal life, right? We had a rebirth spiritually, right? You see it? It's, it's profound. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. So now he says in chapter 7, verse 1, Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. So first of all, Paul's saying that you in Rome, right, there were, there were many Jewish converts to Christianity, Jews that were raised on the law, that knew the law, and then there were even non-Jews, Gentiles, who, you know, who also were never under the law, um, but, you know, they understood, you know, things about the law. So when he says, do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to men who know the law, again, there would have been Jews who, who, uh, who understood the law, who were raised under the law, who heard the law of Moses preached all the time growing up their whole lives. And then there would have been Gentiles who had a, you know, who had an understanding of it, of it as well. So that's why he says, do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. So here he's talking about the law of Moses, right? Um, and in the law of Moses, you'll see in verse two and three, for example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Verse three, so then if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So Paul is now actually using the actual law of Moses, the law that God gave Moses when he was on the mountain, the Ten Commandments and all the other, uh, you know, Mosaic law, right? Um, and so that law that was given to the Israelites to live by, you know, they could never be saved by, but by it, but you know, they were they were to obey it. Um, salvation wasn't dependent on it, but it was given to them, and they were to live according to that law. But from a physical standpoint, that law only had authority over you if you were alive. And then Paul uses, you know, in the law of Moses, um, it said that a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he's alive. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage and she can marry another man. Okay. If, if she was with another man, you know, sexually or intimately, she would be an adulteress. If she went off and married another man while her husband is still alive, she would be called an adulteress. Verse three, but if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. Again, because the law only has authority over, over them for over those who, again, are alive. All right. Now, he's going to get into verse four here and he's going to show that this is a principle spiritually. And we've talked about this before, all right? Look at verse four. So my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. Wow, Pop, this is a, uh, this is a strong verse here, right, Rap? Um, golly, so my brothers, you also died to the law, so through the body of Christ. So. Again, Paul was speaking that, you know, when we're physically alive, you know, and when we're try trying to follow the law, this is before we become Christians, when we're physically alive and the Jews who were trying to follow the law in that day, um, you know, once you died, 
that law doesn't have any authority over you anymore. Paul is trying to now make this contrast and show you this reality in, in the spiritual realm. Okay, does this make sense? Verse four, so my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Now this is, this is profound. So as I said, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were, you were immersed into the death of Christ. You were baptized. Baptized means to immerse. You were, you were immersed spiritually into the death of Christ. You were, you were buried with Jesus Christ. Your old sinful self, your old spiritual self was killed. Your old sinful spiritual man or woman was crucified with Jesus. When Jesus' body was crucified by your belief in him and trust in him, your old sinful self was killed and crucified and buried with Jesus. Verse four, so my brothers, you also died to the law. Remember in chapter six, verse two, he said, you died to sin. Now Paul is teaching that we also died to the law. No more are we, are we under the law. No more are we trying to follow the law of God, right? No more are we trying to follow the 10 commandments and all the Jewish laws um, in our life. Following the law of God does not save us. It cannot save us from our sin. It cannot help us be saved. Not only that, following the law doesn't help to sanctify us. It doesn't help us to be more like Jesus, right? And we're going to explain what we're talking about here because, yes, our entire Christian lives when we come to Christ. So it's not that we come to Christ we died to the law. We're not under the law anymore. And so we just live any way we want. Okay. On the contrary, look what he says. So my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. This is so profound, Stephen. Okay. Um, so you did die to sin and you did die to law, but that wasn't so that you would just be able to go out and sin and live in any way you want. Now that, hey, I'm free. I'm just going to go live the way I want, sin it up, do whatever I want, how I want, when I want, where I want. Because after all, I'm not under the law anymore. Paul's made it clear that that's ridiculous. Okay. Um, in chapter six, he deals with it twice, right? Um, in 6.15, he says, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. Okay that you might belong to another. We died to the law through the body of Christ, that you, might, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. This is, this is verse four, chapter seven. So the reason that we have been crucified with Christ, identified with Christ, the reason that our old sinful self right, was crucified and killed. Our old spiritual self was killed and we were given a new spirit, a living spirit. We were given spiritual life, eternal life in Jesus Christ, that number one, that we might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. So we don't belong to the law anymore. The law has no control over us, but it's not just so we'd be, you know, free doing whatever we want. It's so that we could belong to Jesus, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Do you see the profundity of that? You see that, David? You see just how profound that is, Ian? You see that, Elena? 
right? That you might belong to another. You belong to Jesus. So the reason when you were saved that you were freed from the law was that you might belong to Jesus, right? That you're one with Jesus, that you're in deep relationship with Jesus. And what's the purpose? Verse five, that you might, verse four, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. So there's the purpose of this all. There's the purpose of this whole operation of, of the old spiritual man or woman dying and being identified and immersed into the death of Christ and being 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 given spiritual life, eternal life, new life in Jesus Christ, right? Being raised from the dead spiritually, giving a, a, given a new spirit, a living spirit that's one with Jesus Christ, that's married to Jesus, right? We're called the bride of Christ. We're one with Jesus in spirit. Um, and we're part of the body of Christ. And the purpose of all this, verse four, all this was in order that we might bear fruit to God. Paul says this, he's made it clear because you could see in the reader's mind might come up again. Well, you know, if I died to the law, now I'm free. I can just live any way I want. Right, Matt? Uh, on the contrary, Paul says, no, this entire operation and you belonging to Jesus now and not under the law anymore is in order that we might bear fruit to God. The, the, the purpose of our life as Christians is to be fruitful, to use our time, our talents, and our money in the advancement of the gospel and the advancement of the kingdom of God, the son of God, and the word of God. Okay. How much of your time that the Lord has given you on earth, how much of your gifts and talents, the things you're good at, the things you're talented at, Nathan, um, and how much of your money are you using? How much of these things do you use in service to yourself, your own pleasures, your own desires, your own comforts, and how much do you use in bearing fruit to God? Right, Kristen? How much do you use, Lauren, and bearing fruit to Jesus. And think about it, because really all of us, when we hear this, certainly myself, um, we ought to think, you know what? Yeah, I really I really do want to be bearing more fruit to God, right? When you think about it, Wendy, right? How much of your time, your gifts, your talents, the things you're good at, things you're talented at, and there are many, um, how much of, of our money may, right? How much are we using to bear fruit to God and how much do we use in, in service to ourselves and our life and our comfort and our savings and our retirement? Um, you know, it uh, tomorrow's not not promised to us, right? I was talking to, to Jesse yesterday and, you know, he made the point that, uh, you know, yeah, you know, we were praying and, and, and I had shared with him that my mother had passed and, uh, you know, and, and, and in his prayer, you know, when we often pray, he'll say, Father, we pray for the rest of this day or Jesus, we pray for the remainder of this day. And he'll pray that we be fruitful and walk with him and all that. And he said in his prayer that the rest of this day is not guaranteed to us. And it, I hadn't thought of that. You know, we're not promised the rest of this day, you know. And so in our own lives and with others, um, obviously, every single one of us dies. Right. My. uh you know, my mother died yesterday at around 7.30, 7.45 in the morning. 
right? And, uh, and you know, so we're not promised the, the rest of this day. It's, there's a lot of gravity in that. And so, again, with the days you've been given and I've been given, we've been given them in order to bear fruit to God. That's why we're Christians. It's not just to avoid hell, although certainly we that's the first thing, right? We certainly do want to understand that we are all, all 8 billion people in the world are sinful. All of us are hopeless, helpless, and desperate. We need a savior to avoid the wrath of God and an eternity in hell. And Jesus Christ is our only hope, our only savior. So if you're not certain today, then then give your life to Jesus. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you believe that Jesus, your God, became a human man for you, lived a perfect, righteous, sinless life on your behalf, died a torturous death on your behalf? Do you believe that he's alive and risen? And are you trusting in him? Have you received him? Are you relying on him completely and totally for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul to deliver you from eternal hell and to bring you to heaven when you die? Have you called out to him, right? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? It's not our words that save us, but you know, it's, it's in desiring Jesus. It's in trusting in him. It's in receiving him that we're saved, right? If you're not sure, you can call out to him now. Just simply call out to him from the truth in your heart and say, Lord Jesus, again, I ask you to save me. Again, it's, our words don't save us. It's Christ that saves us. But we use our words to, you know, to communicate our heart to him. That's why Paul quotes Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We don't look at it as like this work or just by puppeting words we're saved. But we use our words to express our heart and our trust and our confidence and our desire for Jesus to save us, right? All right, verse five. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. Look at that. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, now remember, before you came to Christ, you were in utter control to your sinful nature. Your old spiritual self your old self that was still alive was in cooperation with your sinful nature and you were utterly dominated, right? That old self was cooperating with your sinful nature and your, you know, your sinful nature had, had you totally enslaved to sin. That's all you could do, right? But then that, that, that old self was killed. Now our sinful nature has been, the power has been taken away from our sinful nature because our old, old sinful self has been killed. Now, it's been crucified with Christ, right? But it's not eradicated. We know the sinful nature is still there because we still have an impulse and we still have to restrain ourselves from sinful thoughts and sinful words and sinful deeds, right? Verse 5, for when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. So you remember that the law... You know, there's nothing, the law was perfect. The law was holy, but yet at the same time, it aroused in us this desire, you know, to do wrong, right? To bear fruit for death, to act in ways that doesn't, doesn't reflect life, but reflects death. 
This is profound for when we were controlled by the sinful nature before we came to Christ, the sinful passions aroused by the law. You know, why is it when there's a law or there's a rule, it exacerbates our desire to break it, right? The forbidden fruit principle, right? When we're told not to do something, just law in general, rules in general, really exacerbate our sinful nature. And when there's a rule, it's like our sinful nature. Or when there's a law, it's like there's a desire, a little bit of a desire to get away with going ahead of it, right? Like if the speed limit says 70, and I know my mind works this way. If I can get away with doing 80, I'm happy. Now that's wrong. Okay, the speed limit is 70. That's wrong. I am in fact breaking the law of the land and it is sin when I intentionally go 80 and I want to go 80 because I can get away with going 80. Does that make sense, Scott? I mean, it's, it's profound. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. Again, before we came to Christ, all we could do was bear fruit for death. Obviously, in verse 5, he said, in coming to Christ and our old self dying and giving a new self, now this is so that we, we bear fruit to God. Wow. Verse 6. But now by dying to what once bound us, so once again, as I just said, your old self died, but now spiritually, that old spirit man was killed, was crucified with Jesus. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit. So that we serve in the new way of the spirit, capital spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. So again, this is so profound. Wow. We died to the old self. The old spiritual man or woman was crucified with Christ. We've been given eternal life, spiritual life by the Holy Spirit. Okay. When we, when you receive Jesus, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit came into your spirit, became one with your spirit. And when the Holy Spirit joined himself with your spirit and sealed himself with your spirit, you had an explosion of life, new life, spiritual life came into being. You become a, a new creation. You become spiritually alive. You have eternal life presently. And remember, eternal life is not just a, qu a quantity of life, but a quality of life. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law. We're not under the law now. So that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Again, it's not in now trying to follow the law and follow the rules. We serve in the new way of the spirit. We're, we're, we're slaves to Jesus now. We're slaves to righteousness. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to use our time, our talents, and our money in the, in, in the service of the gospel, in the service of the kingdom of God and the word of God, in the service of our King, Jesus. Do you get it? I mean, I could just exhale. It's so profound. You see that, Susan? Golly. Man, Becky, you see that? Wow. But now by dying to what bounds, what once bound us, that's when we were saved. We died, the old self died, and we we're given the new self. We have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So now we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in service to Christ. And it's... Uh, and again, it still takes effort, right? We're not saved by doing any of this, but this is how we bear fruit to God. And remember, when we stand before Jesus, 
when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? 2 Corinthians 5.10, every single one of us will give an account of our lives as Christians and will be rewarded according to how we used our time, talents, and money in bearing fruit to God and how we served his kingdom, right? With what he's given us. Verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. So again, Paul can anticipate his readers thinking, okay, well, if the law, you know, drove all this and, and you know, and, and the law, you know, aroused sin in me, the law itself must be sin. No, the problem's not the law. The problem is me and that old sinful self cooperating with the sinful nature driving me to sin. Look what he says. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed. Indeed, right, Dave? Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. So do you see that? The law itself is not sin. The problem's not the law. The problem is me. Paul says, indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had said, do not covet. Coveting is when you desire someone or something that's not yours. And you have an envy for it, a desire for it, a yearning for something that belongs to someone else and is not yours. And that's interesting because that's an internal thing, right? Coveting is, is an eternal thing. It's part of your soul when you covet, right? It's not an, an, an exterior sin, like, say, you know, uh, fornication or sexual sin when you go to, you know, they're, 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 that you're joining yourself physically, right? Covening is an eternal sin. And Paul says, if there was no law, I would not have known that this desire in me, this covetous desire, this sinful covetous desire, if there wasn't a law, I would not know it was sin. For I would not have known what covening really was if the law had said, do not covet. Verse eight, but sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead. What does that mean? From apart from law, sin is dead. It doesn't mean that there isn't any sin. It doesn't mean that, you know, sin isn't accounted, you know, for. It doesn't mean that we're not responsible. It doesn't mean sin is not in the world. It simply just means, you know, sin is not, you know, uh, is understood, right? It's, it's dead to us, so to speak. It's still very much there, but, you know, we have no understanding of it. It doesn't make sense to us. Again, if, if you weren't told by the commandment, right, in the Ten Commandments, thou shall not covet, if you weren't, if you, if you weren't explained to you that that covetous desire for, for someone or something that is not yours and you're yearning for it, you're envy for it, you're lusting for it, if you weren't told that was sin, you would have no understanding of that, Right? Now understanding it, right? But sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment. So now once the commandment came, sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of covetous desire. So actually when the law came, sin came and man, you, and again, as I said, like with the speed limit, there's this desire, this yearning to want to break the rules more when we know their rules, it's, it's crazy, right? When we know there's rules, there's this kind of uh, this lustful yearning we have to break the rules, whatever they are, right? Sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of covetous desire. Wow. For pout from law, sin is dead. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, 
your goodness and your grace on our lives. We thank you for this tremendous revelation that you've given us here in, uh, in Romans chapter 7. Father, again, I thank you for your mercy on our lives. I ask you to help us this day, Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord Jesus, to live our lives in bearing fruit for you, knowing that any day, Lord, it could be us that's left from this, that's taken from this life. Father, we thank you for your mercy, your goodness, your favor and grace. Holy Spirit, seal this message to our hearts now in your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.